If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. So, next we have somebody who thinks that sooner rather than later we'll be living our lives in virtual reality. Brendan Eri from Oculus. So, you know, now that we're、uh, uh, part of Vox Media, Uh, we're looking to、uh, change up the conference business and expand it. So, what are the odds that the 2018 Code Conference could be entirely done in VR? Well, I hope the odds are good, but I think they probably will be a little bit past 2018 that we'd actually want to have a full conference in,、uh, in VR. But things like that are definitely coming, and we're working hard to, to enable them. Seriously? Yeah. But wouldn't it be kind of a, you know, Wouldn't it be kind of an artificial feeling and taking the life out of it? People, it's not just people interacting with us on stage, but with each other in the, in the room and the hallways and all that. Can that all be done in VR? Absolutely, over time. I mean, today's VR is we're just trying to tackle some of the very first set of hard problems, which is human vision giving you a new computer generated set of light in your eyes instead of. Uh, human light, natural light. We're giving you this computer generated light that you believe is real. And as we get past that with the first version of VR and we start to look at what are the big obstacles that we need to overcome to get a billion people in VR to really enable the world to experience anything anywhere, including a Recode conference,、uh, what does that take? And that takes, I think, to a large extent, it's going to take 3D capture. That's one of the things that you'll hear a lot of people working on.、Um, it's early, early days, so nobody has really solved this yet. But it's something that's going to enable a huge amount of user generated content and natural live action content. Imagine being able to live capture this experience and then broadcast it out in true 3D to hundreds of millions of people who have on a VR device. Oh, but then we'd still have to be here as humans. We'd need to be for somewhere. For other people to get the VR experience. I get it. Just you and I would need to be here, or you would need to be somewhere, and I would need to be somewhere, but we should be able to look at each other and actually believe that we're face to face. We'd have、right、the,、here. the red chairs would look like they were right yeah, here. Yeah, just like this.、Yeah. I mean, you just tried the demo earlier. You saw a、I、dinosaur. Did. It,、yeah. did it feel like it was near you? I, the T Rex wasn't in a red chair, and it, there was no conference, but, I, it, but there was a swag bag for him, so that was good. No, I get it. No, it looked. Telepresence is going to be. It looked very real. Definitely. Very real. So、uh, telepresence is part of it. Yeah. So, um, um, 
you recently announced sort of the specs for your <clears throat> first product, mm -hmm. the Rift, which is finally, I say finally because we'll get to that in a minute, but coming out in Q1, is that right? Yep. And you really need a very expensive, heavy-duty Windows computer to run this thing. Not to mention the fact that it's big goggles, right? Well, not a very expensive computer. If you look at today's machine that we spec'd out, it's a modern machine that they sell all over the internet and many stores. Um, you can get the machine for you know somewhere even under a thousand dollars. This is not a very expensive PC. And and over time, over the next couple of years, it'll come down in, in cost significantly. We think it could even. But it's have... probably unless you're a gamer, it's probably not the PC you have right now, and it's certainly not the Mac you might have. Well, most people's PC that they have now is in their pocket. It's their cell phone. Yeah. So this is definitely... It's not that. It's not that. Not yet. I, there is a version of it, uh, the Samsung Gear VR yeah, that know. we worked with. I want to talk to you about that, too. Uh, but um, the PC that will run the Oculus Rift cannot be a Mac, and it cannot be the lightweight uh, Ultrabook that you're carrying around, which you're not only using for work, but you actually are using for some games, and you're using it for video and music and photos and all the things you do on, on a PC. Not just, just in this generation, phone. this first generation um, that we're focused on really at launch. Down the road, uh, we definitely want to support Mac. We want to support smaller form factor machines. We want to support plugging right into your cell phone. This is the very beginning of VR. It has a long road ahead to miniaturize. One day we want it to be as small as your glasses. Okay, so how much is it gonna cost? That we talked about the PC, but now I'm talking about the Rift. How much is it going to cost? So we haven't announced the price on the Rift. The I noticed that. Device. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> so we haven't announced the price yet, uh, but we are looking at an all-in price. If you have to go out and you actually do need to buy a new computer and you are going to buy the Rift and you have these two separate products, then you all-in at most, you should be in that kind of $1,500 range. Uh, if you then look at... Okay. You, augmenting your existing computer, where you just need to upgrade your computer with a new, mostly a new video card, um, then you should be well under $1,000 with our product plus a video card. So for a lot of users, they'll be able to get in at a fairly low cost compared to what a lot of PC enthusiasts, and there's many millions of these in the world, are spending today on even video cards. There are video cards that are $1,000 that sell high okay, quality. Okay, but just let's think about the math for a minute. If the PC can be had for, I think you said, the, said under a thousand, but let's just be generous and say a thousand. And some PCs can be And you're going to be fifteen hundred or under, mm -hmm. then your thing is going to be in the range of five hundred bucks, right? We haven't announced the price yet. I heard you say that. <laughs> and I think you can find I'm just, it. It's just Walt doing a little math, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? We, we want a total cost, if you have no computer at all, to be Rift plus a PC at 1500 or less would be ideal. There will be solutions that are more than that, that give you an even richer, bigger holodeck experience that people jump into and do all kinds of incredible things inside. But uh, that average kind of base experience, 1500 or less, and over time, that cost coming down, we'd love to see that cost get, as cl you know, get close to $1,000 over a few years um, as we then ramp into the next generation of VR. Well, that's an interesting price because I did a little uh, a, a little checking on the Gear VR, which is the other product that uses your technology. 
where you, you have to have a specific model Samsung phone. I think there are three of them that work with it, right? Two uh, right now. Two, or two Note right four now. The four and the Galaxy but S6. If you go and look at the, at the unlocked prices of those phones, so in other words, if, if you have one of those phones for uh, general other reasons, then you, all you need to spend is an incremental, what is it, 200 bucks for the Oculus yeah. piece. 199 But as popular as Samsung phones are, most very people, popular. Most people don't have those particular Samsung phones, even if up there, even if they do very well in the market. Most people are not going to have those particular two models. So if you go and look, just price them out. I mean, you're, it's somewhere between seven hundred and eleven hundred bucks between the Oculus piece and replacing whatever phone you have or adding to whatever phone you have one of these phones to make. It. If you're buying it from scratch, I mean, a lot of people are upgrading their phone for a small fee of a few hundred dollars, plus getting this add-on okay. uh, Gear VR for $200. And so it's less than four or $500 all in to upgrade your phone. A lot of people are buying these phones anyways. Tens of millions of Galaxy phones are sold every I'm year. I'm aware of that, I know. But that still be, means that most people with phones don't happen to have that phone. Well, tens of millions, which is a good market to target for a first generation of consumer VR. Okay. There's been this very strong perception that VR is primarily for gaming. Uh, at one of our uh, uh, conferences recently, we had a company called Jaunt mm -hmm. that came, and they were uh, using Google, Google Cardboard. In fact, we, we passed Google Cardboard out to people in the audience with their uh, uh, software, and they were showing uh, a bunch of stuff, but one of them I remember was a Paul McCartney concert with pyrotechnics, and you could look up, up and down and left and right, and, you know, kind of feel like you were a little bit at, at, at the concert. Is this still, is this, you keep saying and correctly that it's early days, it's, you're just getting started with this. At the beginning, is it going to be primarily for gamers? I think it's going to be for tech enthusiasts for a lot of gamers. This is definitely going to be born in the gaming space because it is a 3D environment. If you think about the computer, the personal computer, even the mobile device, uh, at the heart and soul, it is a two-dimensional environment. It's a 2D GUI. It's the you know presentation layer on top is all 2D graphics. In VR, for the very first time, that core graphic system, that core underlying layer, is a 3D engine. It's a 3D game engine. So game developers are the first to create content. Uh, some are creating cinematic content, some are creating interactive content that uh, a lot of gamers out there will enjoy. Over time, that same technology will be used to create architectural content, educational content. Um, I can imagine right now I am just relocating to Menlo Park. And relocating to Menlo Park, getting a new house and trying to outfit it while also working at Oculus around the clock 24-7 is difficult to do and you're looking at what furniture to buy and I'm looking at small thumbnail images on my two-dimensional PC or mobile phone trying to imagine what it would look like if in the actual house. What I wish I could do is just throw in a pair of glasses, be in that house and see the different furniture options and then pick and choose what I want. We view that as a much, much bigger, broader market than just gamers, but something that will come over time. It but if you're in the house and you're seeing stuff that is virtual as if it were in the house so that you could choose for a couch or whatever it is. Um, isn't that more augmented reality as we currently understand the terms? 
yeah, it, it, you know, it blurs the lines. It goes back and forth. And what Oculus is really focused on today is virtual reality, where we completely cover up your entire field of view. Uh, we give you new computer vision, computer-generated light, and we're creating an entire scene for you. Now, where you can get augmented virtual reality is with technology uh, kind of similar in, in a way to what we just announced. We just announced the acquisition of Surreal, these incredibly brilliant scientists who have come up with a way to take a 3D capture sensor that captures the environment you're in. And I encourage people to g jump online and take a look at the, uh, at the video, um, the Connect Fusion video, their DTAM video. With this technology, they can capture the actual real environment in 3D. So when you put on the glasses, the goggles, you can actually look at the real environment, but in 3D, and you can then save it and share it and view it at any time, anywhere. So imagine I could go up to my hotel room here, put on a pair of glasses, and be back in my house. And I could actually see the room just as though I was there, and I could rearrange the furniture and be picking out furniture with, uh, with somebody to help me. So these terminal, this terminology distinction, VR and AR, is going to blur? Yeah, I think we call that augmented virtual reality, because it's actually and other capturing the world. And other people call it augmented reality. Augmented reality, uh, technically a lot of people think of that as uh, glasses where you can see through. You can actually see through to the real world and now you're putting virtual objects in the real world. Correct. Yeah. And they're you know, kind of this uh, vision of ho HoloLens. Uh, and that's gonna come over time. We view that that is a little bit of a longer horizon, longer road to actually everybody replace their regular glasses with computer AR glasses. Um, there's a lot of other challenges to face there than we're facing on the VR side. So you have been, obviously, w without even shipping the Rift, you've been very successful. You've been bought by Facebook for a lot of money. Your name, I would say, I mean, people walking through the holes here at companies that have nothing to do with you will see they're using Oculus to show certain things. Um, Pretty incredible, there's Oculus all over. I didn't expect that. I know, and we didn't charge you for it, and that's a mistake. We're <laughs> Thank you. correct that next year. Um, but, um, and you, you're kind of synonymous with the idea of VR. There are other companies working on it, uh, uh, saying that they're going to be competing and selling. Uh, and yet, you know, so this, you've been out here, there, you've been getting a lot of publicity, you've had some, you know, kind of developer units out, out in the marketplace. You haven't shipped. Has that given a competitive advantage, uh, that delay to other people who are going to move in? Well, we want to get it right, and we've been focusing for a long time to try to get consumer VR, V1 from Oculus um, at a quality level that we think the mass market can enjoy, can be comfortable in for a sustained amount of time. And it's such an early day that we view everybody as pioneers. This isn't a time where we're out there saying, oh, you know, there's this competitor showing up, and if we don't beat them to the punch, then we might lose VR. VR is going to be defined over the next several decades. I mean, this is the very beginning. Think of the very first Apple II being shipped back in 1977. Right. And it took almost a decade to land in my middle school and for me to see it for the very first time. I mean, these new industries, these new entire mediums, like the personal computer or the telephone even before that, or virtual reality, are going to take a while to build and, and to be defined. And ultimately, to, to win the market, I think it really has to get to that 
inflection point where you start heading to the hundreds of millions of users. Um, the form factor has to get down to sunglasses. 3D capture has to be something that's very mature that we can now capture uh, a Lakers game and put tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people courtside. And that's the, all a And the computing away. power to drive it has to be something other than plugging into a desktop PC, right? In the beginning, it'll be plugging into a pretty no, high-powered desktop but PC. I mean, as we, as but we go forward. Yeah, over time, we want them to be as natural as regular glasses. Uh, I don't know when that time exactly will be. It's just too early to say. Um, but recently, I was, I was listening to uh, one of the recordings of Steve uh, Jobs talking about the beginning of computers and imagining one day, he had this vision of one day people would be walking around with a computer in their hand with a radio attached to it, doing the same things they were doing on the computer. And he had that vision in 1983, and it took a few decades to actually get there. Um, we have a really bold vision around where we want to go with VR, how we want to get to natural glasses, form factor, um, but it'll take a while, and it's going to be one of the most incredible experiences and, and roads and kind of journeys in technology that I think we've seen since the beginning of computers. I mean, this is the first time we're replacing human vision with computer-generated vision that you will believe is real. You tried it. You couldn't take a step off the ledge. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a, a demo that I guess is available to... to is it a, the same Yeah, demo it's in the bit? cafe. Yeah. And uh, so I did it earlier, and for those of you who haven't done it, there's a... There's a, you're in a, there's a number of different environments, but you're in one where you're like on a skyscraper on a ledge and you can clearly safely walk off this ledge because it's not real, it's virtual, but your brain is saying, I mean, it's, it's good enough that your brain is saying, don't do that. You will fall to your death, you know, and because he kept saying to me, he was doing the demo, he kept saying, step forward, step off the ledge, Walt. And I'm like, no, I'm going to step off that ledge. So. <laughs> Uh, Most people can't take the step, which if you tell them beforehand you're going to be on the top of a building and you'll take a step off, uh, they're like, sure, okay, yeah, I'll try it. And they put it on, and when they get there, they're like, nope, no, you need to make this change. Please go to the next one. Take a step. Nope, I can't take a step. I don't want to fall. But you know where you are. I know, but I don't want to fall. Um, it's that compelling. It's that real. And imagine when you can teleport to different places around the world and you can have those experiences, whether it's uh, vertigo on Mount Everest or a tall building, or it's just being able to be face-to-face -face with the people that you love that you're not able to be with at the time. That's going to be something that really I can, revolutionizes. I have FaceTime. I can do that. But FaceTime, you know you're not there. You know you're not there. You're looking at a screen. It's not like this. It's, it's not a replacement for natural human interaction. And you said you want to have the Recode conference at some point in VR, or would it be possible? And to have that code conference be a replacement for the real thing, it has to feel very close to the real thing. We have to simulate this, and I think we will get there. It'll just take a while, but we're definitely on a path. Now that we've been able to comfortably replace the light coming into your eyes with computer-generated light, anything is possible. Okay, what do you, what is, where do we stand now? Where are we on the sickness question, the nausea, the, the balance question, the vertigo question? Good question. Uh, this is going to be an ongoing effort that we are constantly working on how to make this more and more comfortable. And in the company, uh, you'll hear me have said many times that I'm the most sensitive in the company. I'm one of. I think actually now that we're part of Facebook, uh, Sheryl Sandberg is more sensitive than me. Uh, we've proven that, and uh, but but I am very sensitive to disorientation, moving around. 
the latest version, the version that we took a long time to really try to get right to ship for consumers, um, I've been able to enjoy for two and a half hours straight playing one of the most recent games. I did not expect to play for two and a half hours in V1. The fact that we've gotten it that good this fast, I really believe over the next four to five years, we'll get to a place where the disorientation and nausea is no longer a challenge that's behind us and we're embarking on new challenges. How do you really get hands in? How do you really get face-to-face -face interaction in? How do I believe you're really here with your eyes? And I'm not. You're not here? I'm not. This is virtual, Walt. That will be awesome. Um, <clears throat> when will the line be crossed between gaming and entertainment? I know there'll be a little of, of, of non-gaming stuff, even at, right at the beginning, I'm sure. But when will it be, you know, there'll be just as much or more non-gaming uh, content and experiences available as gaming content? It's really up to the community. The ecosystem is thriving. There's never been a hardware, consumer hardware product out there with a developer kit before it's even an industry that's launched that's sold hundreds of thousands of developer kits. Um, a I, large... know it, I, I know who it's up to. I'm asking you for your guess about when. I think right away there'll be a huge amount of non-gaming. A lot of the stuff that we have out here at the Code Conference is non-gaming. There's a lot of medical experiences. There's a lot of educational experiences. At the heart and soul of Oculus, we are game developers. The core technology is heavily built around a 3D game engine. So there is certainly going to be a huge amount of game content. What uh, about entertainment? Cinematic entertainment. It's going to... Or live concerts, you know, like I mentioned that the, jaunt. the, the jaunt thing with the uh, 360 rock video. Yeah. So the 360 video is an interesting challenge where it's not necessarily comfortable for everybody because it is a fixed position, so you don't get the six degrees of freedom as you're moving around. Um, for me, I'm a little too sensitive to enjoy 360 video today. Um, it'll need to continue to evolve. I'm really excited about the future of where it goes when, it's, when you have that true 3D capture, when you actually can capture an experience in 3D, true 3D, not 2D, not to pixels, not through the normal lens that we are today, but when you actually get these 3D depth mapping experiences where you can move around and you can lean in to Walt and look at you and move side to side, uh, then I think you're going to get a huge amount of user-generated content, an explosion of live action that can be for everybody. Today there'll be a lot of 360 video. It's not necessarily for everybody. Long term, there'll definitely be content for everyone. Do you want to build the holodeck? I think we are. You tried it. Did it feel like? I did, but it, I wasn't in that room with the kind of yellow stripes on the wall, and you know. Hey, you were in the back of and, code. And it's a all of the. Well, I mean, you know, there obviously it was Hollywood, but I mean, their vision of that was tactile. It had much more than. I mean, it was impressive what I saw this morning. I'm not knocking it, but I'm asking this question for a reason. There was a lot more involved in that Hollywood vision of. Yeah, we're, we're at the very beginning. We're just scratching the surface where we're trying to so, get the vision. But my question to you is not, do you have it? Have you invented it? But do you want to build it? Of course, that's what we're all okay. working on. We wake up all every right. day wanting to run to work to, to build the holodeck. Right. And Two more questions, and then we'll go to the audience, uh, the, which is not virtual yet, but I guess apparently it one will, day will be one day. Uh, one question is about uh, the issue of children using this. Uh, you're not supposed to use it under 13, is that correct? That's correct. But how are you 
enforcing that? How do you know? So and, we look at uh, virtual reality as such an early industry, such an early technology that we're still learning a lot. Uh, we also are trying to ship the very first consumer product. This is a product that you put on your head that is very much oriented around the human form factor of the person's head. So children actually have a much smaller form factor than most adults. And we would need to make two form factors if we really wanted to target children well. Right now, we want to just ship You don't think first. children are going to figure out a way to put that on? And you, I think some will. I know there are adults you that if they uh, supervision. Really want it, they can do it. And, and because there are serious medical consequences to the to the brain uh, of, of you know ten year olds, twelve year olds versus an adult, right? This is a different. Yeah, this is a different this technology. Gives the brain different inputs, and their brains are still developing, whereas ours are dying. As we sit here, <laughs> uh, theirs are developing. It, it's the it's early days, and we really are trying to be conscious of uh, health and safety. We take it so very how, seriously. Are you going to put? giant warnings out and kind of do like... We put a warning on right when you put it on. Um, and the age of 13 was something that made a lot of sense when we became part of Facebook. Their age is 13 as well. And so we just felt like, let's start at 13. Let's evolve the technology more. Let's build more confidence in the health and safety side of it. And eventually, one day, we definitely want to have Oculus for kids, especially for all the educational use of this. But you got to get around these medical studies and these medical... Uh, opinions about the impact on the brain. Sure. Okay. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there are studies we need to get around. We need to start doing those studies and start learning okay. wh what it kind of things need to be fixed to make this comfortable for long use and things like that. Right now, it's, it's more of a shorter experience for adults. Let's wind up with, with diversity, which is a really important question. Uh, I know you're part of Facebook, but you have your own unit, your own company, uh, how diverse is it? And what are you doing about it if it's not as diverse as it should be? So as a startup, we initially focused on, let's try to build and make just something work. Uh, as we grew very quickly, which we now have grown incredibly fast as part of Facebook, um, we've really looked at taking diversity very seriously. And we've looked at this as not just Oculus taking it seriously, but trying to be evangelists for the industry, for VR. VR is something that we look at as this incredible kind of exploding opportunity for all diversities, men and women, to define this new medium. And to define that in a way that's not just about gaming, that's not just about fashion. You can look at yourself in the mirror in VR and you'll be able to uh, try on different things. But across the board, how do we excite the industry? How do we excite the world to all participate at a very early age? I assume you weren't trying to say that women would, would be the ones that would want to try things on in the mirror and the men would want to play games. Obviously, each could do either, right? Absolutely. It's for, again, for... But in your company, what is, this, what is the story on women, uh, sexual uh, people, you know, gay people, uh, uh, people of color? What is the story? So we have all diversities at, at Oculus. We're part of Facebook, which is great to get Cheryl's and Mark and their team's guidance on how to address this. It's actually something that 
Um, we, I, I would say we didn't handle it great in the beginning, and there was an incident where we were called out at one of our conferences of um, it not being the most diverse conference that they had ever been to. Um, and so we took it very seriously immediately, and we worked with the Facebook team to start a program internally on how to uh, address that and then go out and evangelize and address that to the industry. So where do you stand right now in terms of, let's just say women, in terms of the percentage of your company that's female? I don't know the exact percentage, but we have made a number of recent announcements and a lot of senior hires uh, of women in engineering and diversities in engineering, and we've been talking about that um, continuously. We've been trying to evangelize that again to the, to the community, and we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, good. We all do, but uh, uh, some of the companies that have been out here and asked this question have talked about spending money. Um, even though he didn't say it on stage, uh, Jeff Williams at Apple talked about it on, in an interview he did afterward on, on uh, Recode uh, video. Uh, uh, you heard uh, about Google's initiative spending money to go into the different colleges to recruit, uh, you know, really working on this in an active way. Are you doing any of that? We're doing some of that. We have um, held conferences just for women in gaming, uh, for VR sponsored them. Uh, we've also looked at what kind of spon other sponsorships that we can have in other programs that we can have at Oculus. Uh, personally, I've um, set up two scholarships, one for uh, minorities and, and underrepresented uh, engineers and one for women in engineering at University of Maryland. So, and that was also, again, thanks um, to Cheryl's guidance and the Facebook team. I reached out and said, hey, I want to make a difference personally. I want to set an example for the rest of our team and, and for uh, the company and the world. You know, what, what should we do here? And they were incredibly supportive. And so I think we have, we're, we're at a good place to really make a difference. And now it's up to us and we still have work to do. Questions? Yes, we'll start over here. Hey, Oscar uh, Shack News. Hey, Brennan, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, you, you've been talking a lot about how the goggles are going to achieve immersion today. And uh, even when you were just talking to Walt, you were talking about seeing your hands in VR. Uh, you know, Valve has shown us a prototype of their new controller where you can see it in VR, and it helps achieve a little bit more immersion. Uh, with the consumer version 1, do you guys plan on showing us any kind of vision of what... Uh, you know, user interface or human interface device would be, you know, with the PC we had the mouse, with the smartphone we had multi-touch. I feel like there's an analog for VR that we're still missing, if you could provide any color on that. Uh, you should come to E3. I am. <laughs> uh, I think we'll provide more color on that at E3. Again, it is such an early time in VR, and we are still trying to figure out what the right, what does great VR input really mean? And what is great input in general in, in kind of the regular world? And how does that translate into VR? And I do think that long term, there's not going to be a single input device like the keyboard mouse was for the personal computer or the touchscreen is for the phone. In VR, I think it's going to be several different devices depending on what kind of content you're enjoying. That makes sense. Okay, thanks. Over here. Thanks, Walt. Thank you. Um, so, I'm Could just, you identify yourself? On oh, the sure. Crawford Dopre at IDC. Thanks. Um, so I'm just curious. I, I get what you're trying to do. It, it makes sense that, you know, where, where you're going with, with augmented and virtual reality. But can you talk to the Facebook link? Can, can, you, can, can you talk to how it's helped you and how it helps them in your strategy going forward? 
Sure, so I think it's pretty clear, at least in, internally, how it's helped us. We were about 60 or 70 folks um, when we got acquired by Facebook, and today we're almost 350 or 60. So within one year, uh, it's been a year anniversary, we've grown 300 people. And that's just an incredible amount of growth to actually go out and be able to build this. There are a lot of pieces to building a full platform that we didn't have internal expertise on or that we didn't have a big enough team focused on. And by being a part of Facebook, we're able to leverage a number of different technologies that they have. We're building the entitlement system and the kind of uh, profile system off of their tech. It's this kind of beautiful suite of APIs that when we, Mark and I were talking about coming together and partnering, um, that he said, look, all of our APIs will be available. You can pick and choose what you need and you can just build Oculus a lot faster. At least those pieces that aren't necessarily the magic of VR that need to be, that need to exist. And so even things like voice over IP to be able to do um, this multiplayer avatar experience, this telepresence experience, if you want to put on a headset and then be able to talk to other people in VR, we're able to leverage Messenger's voice over IP, which is incredibly high quality. Everybody should go try it these days. It's, it's almost better than the regular phone. Um, we're going to be able to leverage that just as an API inside of VR. And so there's a lot of different technologies and infrastructure that we've been able to, to use, in addition to the incredible recruiting power that they gave us. And for them? What's that? For them? For them, well, for Facebook, I think Mark was really looking at a long-term vision of where is Facebook gonna go? And again, Mark would be better to talk about this, and, they, and he has been talking about it, um, with their three, five, and 10-year roadmap, and looking at what is that next major computing platform? What is the computing platform 10, 20 years from now that we look back at and say, oh, remember when it was just PCs? Or remember when it was just cell phones? And now everybody is using this new computer vision. And it really feels like that VR and AR is going to be that next major computing platform. And that Oculus was the best team at the time to have that head start and get going and start working on this. And that Facebook was able to bring that into the fold and now have that part of their 10-year uh, vision for the future. Yes, sir. Hi, Jason Rapp. Hi, Jason Rapp from Science Inc. in LA. Uh, first of all, it's, it's dazzling technology, and congratulations. It's mind-expanding and, and wonderful. Uh, can you talk about platform and uh, distribution as the creative community uh, discovers this and they start creating incredible stuff? How will consumers uh, find it? They've got different headsets. They've got different uh, platforms. How do you think about uh, distribution and platform elements? So we're building out this full platform. And uh, thank you, by the way, for kind words on the experience. Um, we're building out this full platform, which is uh, an app store and ecosystem so that you can put on the headset and you can easily navigate to different experiences. We call it teleportation to different experiences where you're going to kind of fade out, fade in, like you did when you just tried the demo, um, to different worlds, to different uh, applications. And we're going to make that as accessible as possible through our app store, through some kind of discovery interface and search and navigation interface. But this is the very beginning of VR where we don't know what is the best way to do search and we don't know what is the best way to organize um, an app store and to lay out tiles and things like that. But that's what's so incredibly exciting about it is we get to create the, the home experience or the desktop experience for a VR for the very first time. I think it'll probably take us many years to get it right. And just like the computer started with DOS and some command prompt interfaces and eventually got to 
an early version of a GUI with the kind of Mac and some Windows 3.1, and then by about Windows 95 or so, it started to get pretty mature and it hasn't changed that much. You see the phones take a while as well to get to that kind of iPhone touchscreen interface where it now is very mature and that's it and it's not gonna change that much. Uh, VR is at that very beginning. And so it'll take the next five, 10 years to actually get to a mature place where you're easily discovering and moving in and out of these different experiences. But uh, what's great is everybody who tries Oculus, you put it on for the very first time, you take it off, everybody has an idea. Like you tried it and right away you said, what if we could have the Recode conference in it? You know, could we do that? And everybody has an idea and usually their ideas are built around what they're excited about or what they work in. They're not actually built around video games. They don't take it off and say, ooh, I'd love to play Mario. Some, some people do, but they usually are talking about something that relates to them, and everybody has that same reaction. Well, thanks. Thank you so much, Brendan. Thank you.